and this is the Age Group Multisport Podcast with me, Richard Conway. This is a platform for Age Group Multisport athletes to showcase their journeys. to another episode of the Age Group Multisport Podcast. Um, thank you once again for taking your time out and giving us a listen. Much appreciated. Hope you're all doing well. And um, if you've been racing, I hope you've had good races. We are coming towards the end of the season now for, well, triathlon especially. Duathlons, they run a little bit longer um, due to the lack of swimming. But yeah, the season's winding down. I do hope you've had a good one and you've achieved everything that you want to achieve. And if not, there's always next year. And as we're stepping into autumn and then heading into winter, it's time to start that base training and building for next year and planning for next year as well. So there's always something to look forward to. So since the last time we were on the podcast, um, we're continuing to train, getting ready for our duathlon in two weeks' time at Dalymore. So far, staying injury-free, touch wood. I've done another couple of homemade duathlons, uh, and uh, they're going okay. Hard as hell, but yeah, enjoying those, and fitness is coming back, and the speed's speed's coming up, so that's good. I've started riding with our local cycle club, uh, which are the Brown Cow Buckaroos. Hello if anybody's listening from the Brown Cow Buckaroos. I've ridden with them a couple of times now, um, group rides, yeah, most enjoyable, um, forgot how fun that the group riding was. Been listening to a few podcasts as usual, and a few of them worth mention, um, was another Tri-Dot podcast, and that one was about weight and performance, uh, which was quite interesting, and they were talking about being too heavy or being too light. Uh, so that might be worth a, anybody interested in that might be worth a listen and also I was listening to the Simon Ward podcast and he had the uh, Welsh triathlete on Dominic Coy who got a silver in the Commonwealth Games uh, as part of the Welsh team uh, so that was good that was a good one I hadn't really heard of Dominic before but uh, seems like a really nice guy he's actually from Leeds uh, he was born in England but he's uh, Welsh uh, heritage, so that's how he got to race for Wales with Non Stanford. Um, so yeah, that's a that's a good uh, podcast to listen to if you want to head over there. And the final one was um, a podcast called the Huberman Lab. This is a podcast put together and presented by Dr. Andrew Huberman, and he's a professor of neurobiology and ophthalmology at Stanford School of Medicine, and he generally talks about neuroscience and how our brain and its contents um, with the organs of our body control our perceptions, behaviours and our health. And on this particular podcast that I was listening to recently, it was about the effects of alcohol. Really, really interesting podcast. Uh, So after listening to this podcast on alcohol, I thought I would do a social experiment on myself. And the experiment is going to be, can I drink socially without consuming alcohol because alcohol's extremely bad for you it's a poison 
and who wants to poison themselves? And I've been drinking, I'm now 50 odd, and I've been drinking for quite a considerable amount of time, on and off. Uh, I'm not a heavy drinker, and we'll have the odd bottle of wine, and I usually only drink red wine or the odd pint of Guinness. Uh, and it is literally socially um, usually a bit heavier when the boys come home, to be fair. But uh, I do enjoy it. I'm not, not getting away from that. But I thought, would I be able to do this social experiment and cut alcohol out? So that was going to be the first part for me. Cut alcohol out completely. Still drink socially, uh, but it would be non-alcoholic. And the opportune moment came this weekend just gone when we had friends round and they were coming round for a meal and drinks as usual. And so we'd already got a bottle of non-alcoholic red wine in the house. So when they came into the house, I was drinking a glass of red and they went on alcohol drinks. I think uh, one had beer and the other one was drinking fizzy wine. Um, but Mrs C had bought me some non-alcoholic beer also. So while our guest was drinking alcohol bottled beer, I was drinking non-alcoholic bottled beer. And it was never questioned. Um, nothing was ever said. I don't think they even realised, to be honest. So that part of my experiment, from a social perspective, it didn't alter the night at all. And benefits were, were had for me the next morning because... I felt perfectly fine, not dehydrated, not hungover, um, which can sometimes be the case, if I'm being honest. Um, no, absolutely fine. So that part has been ticked off. So what I want to do is continue this um, and see how far I can go. And they reckon it's going to take two months for getting all of the alcohol out of your system completely and then you should start feeling better so i'm going to give it a go let's see watch this space and see what happens but i do urge you to go over and listen in, listen to um the uberman podcast on alcohol and just have a listen and see what your perspective is on i think the problem is it's such a socially accepted thing to do now it's very difficult to change isn't it um something that we've all been brought up doing it's quite a quite a task to, to stop it. But as the non-alcoholic drinks are getting more and more um, popular and better and tastier to drink, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe we'll change. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see how far this thing goes. But uh, from what I've drunk so far, um, the beers, uh, the wine, wine needs improving and especially the gin. The gin was pretty good, actually. Um, so the, there are options out there for us. So, yeah, interesting stuff. And lastly, uh, my son passed over um, a book to me that I've just picked up. And it's a book called Dare to Change Your Life. And it's by the uh, World Cruiserweight Champion, Lawrence Acoli. And if for those who, who don't follow boxing, he's a boxer. Um and I'd heard his story before, actually. It was, he was uh, watching the Olympics at his his work, which at the time, uh, in 2012, he was working at McDonald's in London, and he just happened to go on his break, and he was watching um, Anthony Joshua, the world heavyweight champion now. Um, at the time, he was watching Anthony Joshua 
box for the Olympic gold medal. And that changed his life. He decided to quit his job and aim to also try and get to the Olympics in four years' time. So, yeah, pretty good read so far. I'll let you know how I get on with this one. And also, just kicking off, is The Tour of Britain, which stars our very own Tom Pidcock um, for the Ineos Grenadiers. And I'm toying with going to see the stage over in Southall, near us, um, Nottingham, on Thursday. So might go and have a look at that. Been watching it while I'm watching it as I'm recording this, watching the second stage as we speak. Um, they've just come out of Scotland. So that's going well. That's a, always a good watch. Started watching the uh, Super League Triathlon yesterday, Sunday, the first one in London. And Alex Yee was making a guest performance. It's the only one he's going to do this year. Uh, and that was entertaining. And Hayden Wilde took the victory for the men. And Cassandra Beaugrand from France took the ladies. So yeah, that was uh, some really good racing there. Uh, and it's on again next weekend. Um can't remember where it's at so looking forward to that one and so on to this episode's guest and we're speaking to age grouper dentist blogger podcaster and owner of the wonder clinic stevie potter and stevie got in touch with me and said that she would like to come on and have a chat um so I did a little bit of research and found all those things out. And as I said on the podcast, I don't know how she has the time um, to do all the stuff that she does. But uh, it was a really nice chat. She's got a really nice background story. Um, she said it's not inspiring, but like everybody that's been on the podcast, she's very inspiring. Um, not only from what she's achieved, but also from the amount of stuff that she does. Um, so we go into what she did growing up as usual and how she got into age group. And then we do discuss about um, her blog and her podcast and what all that entails. So very interesting. Um, like I say, she'll explain it all. She'll give all the links so you can catch up with Stevie and give her a listen as well as giving us a listen. Uh, very worthwhile. I've been listening to a few myself. So that's it. Yeah, let's uh, let's get into it and... We'll see you on the other side. Hi. Good morning and thank you and welcome to the Age Group Multisport Podcast. <laughs> thank you. I just How got back we? from a swim. Well, I just got back from a swim, but I didn't have a chance to make myself a cup of tea, so I'm a bit dishevelled, but never mind. <laughs> oh, well, we'll just take a minute. We'll just calm down. <laughs> we'll breathe. <laughs> and then we we'll go. enjoy the podcast. Yes. Well, you're a pro at this. Well... <laughs> Well, yeah, you know. I mean, I just like to talk. I think that's, that's and you like to be a pro at podcast, it just means you like to talk a lot, right? Yeah, well, not not so much in my case. I like other people <laughs> to talk a lot. So you're going to be my perfect guest. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so where are you in the world? Um, I am in the southwest. I'm in Somerset. Um, I'm about half an hour from the Jurassic Coast. Um, so we're just on the border between Devon, Dorset and Somerset and the Blackdown Hills. So we've got levels on one side for like flat riding and then the rest of the time is just super hilly all of the time. 
So there is no flat running around here. No flat runs happen. Um, but we've got a lovely coast to swim in as well, which is great. And we're not a million Excellent. miles away from Exmoor either, which is cool. Fantastic. So, yeah. yeah. Nice. Well, hills are our friends. So, <laughs> so that's yeah, cool. it's one of those things like whenever I get to a race and anyone's uh, moaning about hills, I'm always like, what hill? This is this yeah. is like the highway. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Well, like I say, thank you ever so much for agreeing to come on and uh, spend welcome. your time on it, especially on a bank holiday Monday. Well, I'm well, sure you're other when you're self-employed, there's no bank holidays because you just you just well, work all the time, right? So. <laughs> yeah. so just give us a little bit about your background, um, uh, like growing up as a kid, sporting, sporting activities and things. That's what we all usually kick off with. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm one of those people where I wasn't actually really sporty as a kid. So I did horse riding and karate and like outdoorsy things and to kind of let go of all my energy and everything but I was never I never did like running or you know track sports anything like that in fact I was so bad at running I had a lot of testing just to check I was okay and I had no issues because I was really really bad um and then but yeah I just always had loads of energy and stuff so I was always like doing stuff but I was really academic and then um I didn't get into sport really until I was probably, I think at uni, because I joined the, um, I joined the rowing team because um, they were looking for coxes and, you know, I'm very short and very loud and very bossy. So that's appropriate job for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember going home one term, probably from my, like, my first year and dad being like, you know what, you look like maybe you are enjoying the good life and you need to do a bit more exercise. So I took up running because that was free. I wasn't very good at it, but I was like, well, I'll give it a go because it's free and I'm a student. I'm really poor. And then, um, yeah, joined the rowing team. And uh, in order to get the good boats to Cox, it was like, well, you have to go and do all the land training because, you know, build all the rapport with the crew and stuff. So I was like, right, well, I'll never want to be beaten. I'll go and um, I'll do all the cardio they're doing and I'll hang out in the gym. And I think I remember the first time I did like an hour's worth of cardio in the gym and I was like super proud of myself. Like I've just done an hour on one piece of kit, aren't I a hero? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so I wasn't really sporty, I don't think as a kid. I did yeah. I did do sport, but not like running, swimming or cycling. I learned yeah. to swim by falling off the end at the beach, like sure, at Burton yeah. Bradstock. Um, but that was about it. So yeah, came mm -hmm. to me a bit later in life. <laughs> Well, but you were still active, though. Like you say, you were doing other stuff, weren't you? You, you know, swimming, biking and running isn't the be-all and end-all for everybody. It's just, it is what we do now. So, yeah, you still, <laughs> yeah, yeah. still did stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's all, I think you you have one of those personalities when you get into triathlon, whatever age you come to it is, you're always somebody that likes movement and you like to be kind of yeah. on the go and doing stuff and channeling some energy somewhere and letting it go, I think. I guess um, training with those guys or girls, was it, when you were rowing? Was it guys yeah. or girls? Um, so I did a bit of both. So first right. year, I did a little bit with the novice women. And then I was mainly with the novice um, men's crew. And yeah. then as I went into senior ranks, um, we tried to kind of have boys with boys and girls with girls, just because it seemed to work a bit better. So I yeah, yeah. coxed the senior women, because um, it was just nice then, because you're hanging out with a crew of eight girls. Yeah. It's nice to then have also a girl coxing you. I just think the dynamic's a bit better. So yeah. I did a little bit of both. Yeah, so but I bet that uh, trying to keep up with those guys in the in the gym and stuff give you a great base level for your fitness and things. Yeah, it was always one of these things like you either had super, super tall people and then really, really tiny people all just hanging out together in the gym. Yeah. 
Um, and I was never very good on Erg, but I gave it a good go. I think they appreciated that. I hope they appreciate that. <laughs> I'm, sure they did. I'm, sure they, I'm sure you're inspired them in some ways. <laughs> well, I like to think so. I think there's nothing worse than for them. Like if they were going to get in a boat and have somebody shouting and barking orders at them, like particularly when you cross the finish line in some of the longer head racing, you get over the finish line and all the umpires are like, you've got to keep going. So you've got like another minimum 20 strokes to get over the line and get out of the way. And you've got somebody sat at the end of the boat going, no, you can't stop, even though you've just given 100% to the line. Like that, don't let that be a person that doesn't go into training and do the same. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Cool. So, how did you like get into multi sport then after, after that? Well, uh, that's like a typical kind of runner story, like, was doing running. And I wanted to, because I was in Newcastle when I was training. So um, Whereabouts in Newcastle were you? I was, so we lived in right by the university because I was at dental school there. So um, I forget the name, Claremont Road we were in, which was like literally by the city. Okay. I lived in Jesmond for a year before that, which is yeah, where yeah. all the students hang yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, my, wife, my wife was a university up, up many many moons ago and I, I lived up there as well for a while uh, and we lived in Heaton which was a bit further out yeah uh, we, have, we have great memories of Newcastle <laughs> it was a brilliant city I remember yeah. getting lost on uh, some long runs when I was training to do the Great North Run and I literally ran through like all of the suburbs like mm. Heaton uh Jesmond I can't remember what the other one was yeah oh yeah i worked in biker for a bit as well that was a strange place very strange yeah i went to a gym in biker were very odd yeah yeah biker was a weird place i ran quite fast through biker hang around there but um yeah so so we were what what was i saying we were running yeah you're going about running running weren't you yeah oh yeah that was it so i was training for the great north run because um because we were in newcastle and claremont road was like right where the great north run started and i remember one day i was in we were in the house and i we'd been on a night out the night before and all of this kind of noise started and i was like what the heck is that look out the window and the great north run was just happening on my street and i was like oh okay i'd maybe do that one year so i started training for that and um I think that was like second or third year at university. And then I got bad, quite a bad knee injury. It was acute, it, you know, it didn't last after that, but it was bad enough that I couldn't run. And I got a bit like, oh, well, what am I going to do now? Because running was the thing that I could do and I was doing okay at. And then dad was like, why don't you, like I found these magazines about this sport called triathlon and you get two other sports for the price of one. So if you do that, maybe then if you get injured, you'll still have two other things to do. And I was like, yeah, okay, that seems all right. Very I've wise. done like, yeah, yeah. And I've done like, you know, living around here because I grew up around where I am now as well. Um, that I'd just been out on my mountain bike all the time because that's how you got anywhere. Like you couldn't walk anywhere because everywhere so far. You were apart. used to biking. Exactly. So I'd never ridden a road bike, but I was like, well, I, you know, I'll probably be all right at that. Um, I can now run a bit and I can swim a bit. Like I'm not a very good swimmer, but there's a swimming pool. So I'll learn. Um, yeah. Mm. And so then I think, my f- my first multi-sport event was actually a duathlon in right. 2012 so yeah 10 years ago now yeah, and yeah. um I went off to so I did it from university it was in Durham and I remember getting on the first train earliest train I could get in the morning because obviously I didn't have a car or anything and I jumped off the train and I was probably like <laughs> half an hour from start time and it, I knew it was going to take me like maybe 20 minutes to get there mm. so I absolutely burnt it off the train got to the start line and Durham's like mm. that, like up and down up yeah. and down 
Yeah. So I burnt it to the start line. I was pretty um pretty cream crackered when I got there. Good warm up. <laughs> Good warm up. And then <laughs> I did that classic thing that you know, not I'm not even going to say all novices do because I think we all do it even when we've been in triathlon a long time is go out way too fast. <laughs> did the first 5k and was like, "Yep, I feel great. Got on the bike, no problem. Real hilly course, but enjoyed it." And then I got to the second run and I thought I was going to die and it was awful and it was still really hilly and off-road. And um and then I got a second in my category. So I got a little trophy wow. and shoved back pocket and off I went. That was it. Yeah. Cool. So. Good start. <laughs> that inspired you to um, do more. Well, yeah, I was like, do you know what? That was quite good fun. And I like this whole age category thing because in the age category thing, I've got a trophy on my first one. That's really cool. That so cool. I quite like that because I'm quite pleased, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, that seemed like a good idea. <laughs> Yeah, well, it obviously was because here we are 10 years later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm still doing the age category thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Only a bit more, a bit more, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got an, a blue tracksuit and stuff now, but apart from that, it's all the same, isn't it? <laughs> it is all the same, yeah. Yeah, it is all the same. I think that's a great mindset to have, actually, because people do get <laughs> head up about it. Anyway, we're jumping, a- jumping ahead a bit there. <laughs> um, so you did your first duathlon, and then did you get, that was it, was was there anything at university that got you into multi-sport or was there did they have a club or was there anything was triathlon a thing then there yeah well I think because I was hanging out with these weird rowing people and rowers are really odd breed of people because they you think triathletes are serious about what they do like rowers eat, eat sleep breathe rowing because you have to like you it's so different. It's a bit like swimming, you know, like yeah. being on the water in a boat is completely alien. It's not like anything you do on land. Like running, if you're standing and walking around, you're kind of training for it. Rowing is just a completely different kettle of fish. So there's a lot of training and you have to be really focused around it. And you're kind of in this world of people that just loves sport and endurance and they work really, really hard and they eat a whole lot malt loaf as a snack. Like that's the kind of world <laughs> I was in. So, <laughs> um, so I mean, these guys were kind of like in their spare time to do keep up the fitness. They're all cycling. They're all doing road cycling. We weren't great runners, so I could definitely keep up with them on my run and show them how that was that was done. Um, but then they started to, you know, a few of them like, oh, this summer we're going to go and do like a, an Ironman. And I was like, I don't know what that is. I don't what is an <laughs> Ironman. Like, what, what's that? And they just went out. I think one of the guys lived in um, Switzerland around a lake there. And then they went out there, you know, did a swim in there, had a little break, then went and did the 112 mile bike. And I was like, what? That's completely nuts. But um, yeah, maybe triathlon, maybe maybe that's a good way to get fit because it's clearly working for you guys. You're really good rowers and, you know, I'm not. So maybe I should maybe I should try that. And I was just surrounded by people that were running and and cycling. And the swimming was then the thing that facilitated that. Like if you're going to do triathlon, you better go and learn to swim a bit better. So and we had access to a really nice pool in the city um because that was a nice thing about newcastle is there was it was set up for sport like there mm. was anything you wanted to if you went over to gateshead there was a track and an athletic yeah. stadium and everything like anything you wanted was just there yeah. um so yeah yeah cool so so you, you found out about your dad helped you find out about multi-sport and triathlon so when when did you do your first triathlon because you've done you, you did your duathlon first in 12 so what was yeah. your first triathlon I think it would have been probably the same year and I flew home for summer and I did one round here, which would have been the Trowbridge Triathlon. Um, And that was the first one that I did. And I was a bit like, I remember thinking I've just got to survive the swim because I haven't really done that before. 
I don't know how this works. I remember having a deep seated fear that I had no idea how I was going to get out of the swimming pool because right. it was like one of them really high sided yeah, ones. Yeah. And I'm really sure. And I was like, how am I going to get out? And I, I remember like getting out and just throwing myself onto the side commando roll style. Like I'm out, yeah. I'm out of the pool. I did it. <laughs> yeah. Now let's have some fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I know I could cycle now. And um, I think I wore, I had some shorts that were like out of a bargain bin in one of the sports shops in Newcastle for a tenner, which I still have now, which have been relegated to the turbo for emergency purposes. <laughs> um, and I think I had an old, like slightly baggy like crevest. And I thought, well, I'll just wear it all in the swim because I don't want to be cycling my bike in a swimming cozy. That seems like a bad idea. So I just wore all that. Um, I think I had some old sunglasses that maybe used to belong to my mum. And the bike I'd bought in... Um, so I'd bought that literally the previous year. So not long before I'd done the duathlon and um, I'd saved up all of my Christmas money. And then I managed to go down to the shop and sort of like strike a deal with the guy. And he got me like a, an old kind of previous seasons old bike. And he said, you know, you can have it all for like the helmet, the shoes, the bike, the pedals, everything. And I think I managed to get it all for about 750 quid. Okay. Um which was which was a good deal. Like even back then, it wasn't bad. I was quite I was quite pleased with myself, yeah, and I went straight into uh, straight into cleats as well because I was like, well, you know, go all in. I've got grass I can practice on. It'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it, yeah. isn't it? It's just about practicing. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Everyone goes in. Oh, I should start on flat pedals, and I'm like, no, because then you get used to yeah. flat pedals. Just yeah, go yeah. into cleats. If you fall off, you fall off. You're not going to hurt yourself. Like just coming off. Yeah, like you, feet. like you said, if you do it on grass, then you know what's the worst that can happen. Yeah, and it's yeah. funny. It's funny when you fall off your bike like that. Not so funny at the moment. My wife just fell off her bike and she's got a broken wrist. Oh, uh, that's not funny. That's, <laughs> that's like a funny. higher speed. That's not like not on grass practicing your cleats. Yeah, that's not great. <laughs> not great. Not great. So even after, I mean, even after with her 10 years, she's been doing multi-sport. It still happens, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> it does. And, and unfortunately, I think the uh, the more experience you get, the more it hurts when you come off because you're usually going a bit faster. Oh, no, she was just getting back on a bike, to be honest. Oh no! <laughs> but there you go. Maybe These not things then. happen. Yeah. But to to her to her credit, it was on a a bit of a incline and very gravelly, so just one of those things. But, oh yeah, yeah. I've so, all we've all come off coming up here. Oh, right? absolutely. You're yeah. not a proper cyclist if you haven't if you haven't come off when you uh, when you stood still. Or <laughs> so that's that's yeah. So that was your first triathlon. So how did it develop after that? Did you join a club or what was the? No, I never- I never really joined a club. So I, I went back to university again. I think it was in my final year. And so I had like another six months to do. So I went back there, had a good time. And then because I moved back to the Southwest after that, like it's a playground here for triathletes because yeah. you've got all of that cycling and running yeah. and swimming territory. So I think I, oh, I then decided I was going to do the London Marathon. Right. And I think I'd also decided that I'd been reading these magazines that my dad had got me. <clears> so I had a few copies of uh, 220 lying around because that's what dad had bought me and that's how I learned about triathlon was reading that magazine um and so that's how I found out a bit more about Ironman and I was like right this seems like in triathlon if you're gonna do it you've got to do it it seems like that's what you should do so I'm gonna plan to maybe do that before I'm 30 I'll give that a go so I was like no that'll give me a few years worth of fun because I've got to get up all the distances do open water and that'll occupy me so I came back, moved back down here and I thought, well, the first thing I've got to do is um, I've got to run a marathon. So I'm going to run a marathon. I should do the London marathon because that's the one that everybody does. Right. I don't know anything yep. about it. 
So I think somebody spotted me in the gym not long after I'd moved back down here and it was different area to where I'm originally from. So I'm from a town a few miles down the road. So I didn't really know anyone. And he was like, oh, I noticed that you're in here doing a lot of running and cycling and stuff. And then he kind of introduced me to the local running club, um, which I think is where really I got a lot of my stamina and a lot of the kind of friends that supported me now um, was going out and, you know, every Tuesday it'd be like, go and do seven, eight miles. And it was always like pushing the pace. And then, yeah, and they definitely helped me to get to a point where I could do a marathon. Um, yeah. And then a few people from that club were kind of, oh yeah, we do a bit of triathlon. I was like, okay, I did one once. Like, tell me more about what you do. How do I do that round here? Which ones do you do? And, um, they introduced me to busting skin events down in Weymouth. He put on some amazing races. Um, and I still go back to those. I haven't been back to any this year, which is a real shame, but I love those events. And they said you know we go open water swimming on a thursday preparation for those so we started going swimming together on a thursday night after work and um i got like a proper wetsuit then which i think cost me about 50 quid (laughs) um and i think my yeah i think my first open water event was then down in weymouth was with busting skin and i've gone back pretty much every year to that event since then because i absolutely love it and it's so nice to go back to an event that you did when you were really pants and then go and do it and be like, I'm actually quite good at this now. I'm all right. And still really, really enjoy it. And the people down there were amazing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and then you just get chatting to people like, what events do you do? What races do you do? And you just kind of make friends that way. So I never really, we didn't really have like a triathlon club around here. I did try the triathlon club thing for like structured swimming. And um, it was just too serious for me. I was like, everyone's too, takes themselves too seriously here. I'm just, oh, it's not for me. So. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it isn't, it isn't for everybody. And it depends what club you're in, you know, um, because you've got, in my experience, and I've, I've been in two clubs. Yeah. Um, the first club, well, both clubs, you've got a wide range of ability from complete novices that keep coming in year after year to yeah. age groupers um, and everything in between. And it's, yeah, I think you're right. There are There are some people that do take it far too Far too serious for their own good, really, um, and it it can put a dampener on on proceedings. Yeah, they, I just they ex- thought you know they expect was... you to be their level. You know? Exactly, and it was <clears throat> I think the comment that lasted with me. I think this is really important as well. Is like for everybody to remember that even when you get to the level where you're doing age grouping higher up, is that you all started somewhere. And one yeah. of the comments that always stuck with me was that put me off was I went there and. I'd said about this sprint race I was going to do. And, you know, I knew I hadn't, I'd only done one race before and this was only going to be my second race. And I was trying to get better at swimming. I knew that was difficult for me. And I just, for me, it was a big thing to go and get in the pool with other people and train with them because they were all better than me. And I remember in the showers afterwards chatting to some of the ladies and uh, one of them just made a flippant comment, like, you know, asked me what my race was. And I was like, oh, I'm doing this race down in Weymouth, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's a sprint race, blah, blah, blah. And the comment she said was, oh, well, you'll be fine. It's only a sprint. But to me, that was a really big deal because I was like, right, okay, well, to me, it's like a massive race. And now, like, the sprint event is still my my favourite, favourite distance. Like, that's what I want to do. And for somebody to just say that because she was doing Ironman or whatever, I was like, oh, okay, I feel completely belittled. And, like, I think that's really important is what I always say to people is you have to be aware of, like, 
where somebody else might be on their journey and how that might come across to them because that's what puts people off getting into sport. It's like when I go to the crit races and the cycling and stuff, the the more seriously you take it, the less people you will have join because the more intimidated they feel and that's detrimental to the entire sport. It's 100%. really, really important. 100%. And it's funny that because on, on that, it's only a sprint. Um, <laughs> I'm like you, I'll do Olympic and sprint. Never done a nine man, never done a half, <laughs> not interested. Um, it's too much effort for not enough pleasure in my, my opinion. Um, <laughs> So I'm like into sprints and stuff. And yeah. it was always the case that you you join the club and that was the path. People said, well, you start off with only a sprint <laughs> um, and then you'll go to Olympic and then you go to half and then you'll go to Ironman. And Ironman is yeah. the pinnacle and the longer distance is like, you've got that. Well, I've done an Ironman. I'll get the tattoo job. Yeah. I'm a proper, I'm a proper triathlete now. <laughs> So I was, I was so sick of hearing this. It's only a sprint. I actually got a cap made. Yeah. On it. So that was the my joke to everybody else. It's only a sprint. Because they all knew that I only did like sprint and Olympic distances. So I got this cap made. So you know, and the thing is that yes, it's only a sprint, and it's not about the distance, it's about how much effort you put in. Because you work just as hard, if not harder, on the shorter distances than you do on the longer ones. Yeah, hundred um, percent. So, I'm gonna get one of those hat mates. I think that's yeah. great. I'm gonna get a hat yeah, made. Like I'll that. send you a picture of it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so that that does resonate with me as well, actually. <laughs> yeah, I just think like I've done, I've done Ironman. I did Ironman in 2018, and I um I did Ironman Wales. And um I remember afterwards, I was I was just like, yeah, I've done it. I don't really want to do another one now. And everyone was like, oh, but you could do really well. And I was like, yeah, but I don't really want to do it. I've done what I want to do. Like, what's the point? I said, you have to waste all of your life. You know, it was like 20, 25 hours a week I trained, and it was great. But I want to have a dog and a boyfriend and stuff. So have a life. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't really. I'm not getting paid to do it. So no, and actually, exactly. And I, I was a bit broken afterwards, and I thought, you would be because it's a hell of a race, isn't it? It's a hell of an achievement. I'm not oh, saying yeah. it's not. You know, it is a hell of an achievement. <laughs> but yeah, broken. And I, I, to be honest, if I'm being brutally honest, I don't think my body would like cope <laughs> with the with the training, let alone the race itself. So uh, I'm like you. I'm very um, very small. Uh, so yeah. I'm not built for, for for that sort of thing. I mean, I've done a marathon, but I'm not not built. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I think um, I think everyone said to me, "Oh, yeah, you're not really built for Ironman," but everyone also looks at me and goes, "You're not really built for triathlon." So <laughs> oh, I don't, that doesn't really matter. <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> I don't think people who are really tall realize what the struggle is when you're so small and short. I think that they should acknowledge that running is twice as hard because you have to take twice as many steps, right? Hundred percent. Hundred percent, and not only that, it's the swimming as well. In it, bikes a bit of a leveler, but the swimming yeah. as well—you've not got as big a levers, have you? I can only reach to there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So I feel your pain. Yeah. yeah. So how did it develop then? Into you, you did your Ironman. You obviously did your marathon. Did your Ironman. How did it develop into age group? And how did you find out about that? So one of my friends. Uh, who for a while we called GB Rach because she was Rachel and she'd, you know, was representing GB. So that was our joke because she was GB Rach because she was the first one that had done it. Well, oh, GB Rach is over here. Serious GB Rach because she's got in the GB squad now. Um, and she was one of my close girlfriends and she, um, so she'd gone off and done it. And I was like, mm, well, I might fancy having a crack at that then because I'm not going to do Ironman like anymore. I'm not going to do that as the be all and end all. So I want to go back to sprint. I'm going to go right back to the where I started. 
I'm just going to try and do it as fast as I can. So now I've done like all the distance. How fast can I do it? And I really like it. And I say, I want to get a dog and have a life so I can still do sprint training. So I thought, well, I think the thing to do now really is test myself against a bigger field of people because I'd started to get better and I was starting to get on the podiums at local races, which is great. But then you start to realize it's not really about the winning stuff because once you start to win stuff, it's a bit boring then because if you go to an event and you know you're going to do really well and you know there's only like a couple of people there that's going to be competition for you. So it's going to be a bit boring. So I decided, well, I need to go to some bigger races. So I'll go to some of these qualifying events, just see where I am thinking I'll be like way down the list and then I'll have something to build on from there. And I think I finished, so I don't know. And I think I finished within my category. So I must have finished like fifth or sixth. Mm. So I didn't really, I was like, that's really good. Like, I'm really impressed with that. And it was a draft legal event, which I'd never done before. But I thought, well, that's fine. Cause I'm really bossy on the bike. So I just shout at everybody. It's not a problem. And <laughs> I think I've done one draft legal event actually in Mallorca where we'd gone away for a girl's holiday and decided to do a race out there. That was fine. So I finished that and I thought, well, that's quite good. Like I could do all right here. And I didn't think anything of it because I thought I'm just going to give it a go this year and see what happens. And then I was in London on a training, um, doing some training, doing some teaching. And I'd gone out for lunch and I remember sitting in like some Japanese fast food restaurant and I was just tapping away on my laptop. Oh, time to check the emails. And I'd had an email coming through going, oh, well done. You've qualified for the European Championships in 2019 and I was like oh this is a pleasant surprise um I feel like everything's just kind of like yeah I don't know it just everything had just kind of changed then in a minute and I was like oh I feel like maybe I'm a proper athlete now this is weird um so sort of like yeah told everyone I knew obviously uh probably posted a snapshot on Instagram because that's what you do um and then obviously no, I think we never got to go because it was um it was 2020 I qualified for. So it was 2019 right. I found out and it was 2020. So we never yeah. got to go because we were supposed to go to Malmo. Okay. And um so never got to go there. And then they did a so to qualify for the worlds, so you could then submit your time. So I put through yeah. my times from Eaton and then got a qualification slot for Bermuda for the world mm. championships as well. So it's only been the last few years. And yeah. last year was the first time I'd raced um, right. in the Europeans. And I went to Valencia because it was rolled over from 2020. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's how it all happened. So it feels a bit weird because it still feels like I've only been doing it for five minutes. Because although I got my qualification slot, you know, a thousand years ago, yeah. pre-COVID, <laughs> yeah, I've only yeah. had like three races. So, um, so yeah, just kind of that was it really. And that was... And like I say, and then we went all into lockdown and I didn't really get the opportunity to kind of um, go and wear my suit or anything, which was a bit weird, really. So mm. here we are now. But, yeah. But the good thing is that like they honoured it and they, you, you could roll it over and, you know, you did get to race eventually, which was really cool. So Yeah, I, yeah, I it was. was. And how did you I find think, the whole experience? Well, I think I was going to say, I think Valencia like was my first experience and I almost like if I had to give any advice to anybody that's just coming into it like your first international race probably will just feel like completely crazy and really stressful because (laughs) you don't really know what's going on. Everything seems way more stressful than it does at a normal race. But I think it's just because you put loads of pressure on yourself because you're like, oh, I'm part of this bigger thing now. So I went to Valencia and I I think the race organization was like not the best I've ever been to. Um, 
I was super nervous. Like I hadn't, I'd maybe done a couple races abroad before, but nothing this kind of big. Mm. And it was, it was hard and I didn't probably perform as well as I wanted to. Um, Cause the whole thing was just quite nerve wracking and we were still doing all the COVID testing and stuff as well. So we only had four days away because I was more focused on the worlds, which then never happened. Cause that was in Bermuda. Um, so it was just kind of like, you know, testing before you go, get there, open the bike. You've got to test again before you come home, like all this kind of stuff. And it was just like, bam, 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 bam. But I was really glad because I was glad that I kind of just got that one out of the way. And I was like, I've done it once now. And now the next time I go, I'll be able to enjoy it more. Um, so I finished ninth in my category Which and everyone's like oh yeah they're like oh yeah it's really good you must be really happy and I was like I'm not really that happy because it wasn't about this is the thing like whenever I race um it's not what I've realized it's not about the end number it's not about the numbers that I've produced in the run it's not about where I finished in the pack it's about how I felt about it and I felt like I'd had a really pants race really awful and I didn't want to talk to anyone about it and I had um I had a sponsor which who still sponsors me now it's the aesthetic entrepreneurs who I do a lot of work for in performance coaching and they were like oh we're totally stoked for you this is amazing and I was like yeah but I just don't feel that great about it like thanks but I need to just decompress from it and I kind of like went into the winter season feeling a little bit like I've got loads of work to do because it's not the best race that I could have produced and I didn't really enjoy it and then this year was like a whole different kettle of fish then because this year even though so we had somebody else in our house fall off and have a broken shoulder blade my partner i've had covid he's had covid i've twisted my ankle about three thousand times um (laughs) so it's not been like the easiest road but i never see all that and i just kind of so i went out to montreal this year and just had an amazing time and the whole event was amazing and i just enjoyed it all and I've started now from then I've started, um, I don't race with any tech now. So I either don't have a watch on or I've got tape over the Garmin. So I can't see it because I realized that what I want to do is just go out and race completely organically and enjoy it, yeah. which is entirely what I've done. And I've done that this year in Munich and in Montreal. And they were some of the best races I've had, not because I produced my best performance, but because I had the best time ever, yeah. which was great. Yeah. So I think just going back to your Valencia experience, I mean, I've spoke to quite a few people who were there and, yeah. you know, they said exactly the same and they'd done previous, <laughs> no, but they'd done previous races yeah. and because it was like one of the first ones back um, after COVID and it was, they were still in, in the throes of that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the normal experience. And now you've obviously with Montreal and Munich, you've, yeah. you've experienced exactly what it is like because each race we're now going forward, it's getting back to, what it used to be like, what it, you know, the whole experience is how it should be. So, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a really great experience for your first one, but now you, you know, with the fruits of your labor, you're now seeing actually what it, what it is actually like. So, yeah. So, but, so how well, it's did nice you... to know that it's nice to know that it wasn't just me that thought it wasn't so great. Of Lenser. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was just because of all the restrictions and everything else. It, yeah. Everybody felt the same. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. So what was what was Munich like? Oh, Munich was recent. amazing. Yeah. yeah, that was recent. Um, that was amazing because the thing that was amazing about Munich is you were part of this like yeah, amazing the whole festival. Yeah, yeah, and it was so cool. I wasn't feeling that great, so I'd not had a great stomach that week, and um, I because I got a bit dehydrated and stuff, and um, so I didn't get out and do as much as I wanted to. But I managed to. I was staying not far away from the Olympic uh, Regatta Lake. 
Good. So I was able to go and watch some of the rowing, which is obviously, you know, right back where I started. So that was super oh, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, a little bit like just kind of nostalgic. So I went to see that. That was pretty cool. Um, saw a bit of the climbing as well. And yeah, it was just amazing to be part of an event. And what an amazing venue, like the Olympic Park, to be able to go and race in there. Um, split transition, that was a novelty. Uh, still yeah, I was speaking to one goggles. of my... One of my teammates went, uh, and I was speaking to her at the track on Saturday, and I was asking how how she and she said it was just, it was just um, a nightmare uh, <laughs> trying to get everything. She was just so, I mean, she's been doing this for a long, long time. She's yeah. been all over the world, and she just said she was so anxious about getting everything over there and the split transitions, and she knew it was going to happen, you know, even before yeah. she went because she was already told. But she said it just wasn't the event itself was really good. She yeah. said, but just getting everything arranged and things just wasn't it wasn't fun. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those things <clears> where like one of the conversations that I always have with my coach is like, just don't worry about it. Like it is what it is. So you get there, you know it's gonna be a split transition race. You can either then be like, Oh, this is gonna be terrible and the logistics are a nightmare, or you can be like, Do you know what? I've decided I love split transitions. And like that's the mindset that I went with. It's like just to say, I really like this now. And I'll, if I say it enough, I'll convince myself. And, and as in life, you, you you can do that with everything that, that comes yeah. along. You can either look <laughs> at it, put a negative spin on it or a positive spin on it. And to have totally. that mindset, especially in a pressure cooker situation like that, is just fantastic if you can do it. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those things where I was like, I've got to deal with it. So I can either deal with it and moan about it or I can deal with it, laugh about it pretend I'm enjoying it. And if I kind of try and convince myself enough, I will. And yeah. I, you know, I'd gone out on my own. So it's the first time and I've got one of the aero fit bike boxes and obviously I'm the size of a borrower. So like me in this bike box, trying to get it in and out of the car, I have to kind of like get people to, to take pity on me and help me in and out of things with it. <laughs> and then, um, you know, we'd, I'd got the bike through it, been fine. I've got my transfer, my thing. I was finding my way around. And I was like, yeah, it's not too bad. The public transport was amazing. So that was good. Mm. Um, and it was just one of those things where it just took a little bit of extra planning. And one of the things that I've started to do, which is really helpful, is um, every time before I race, I send my coach just for like an accountability thing. From the moment I leave the house to the end of the race, I'll send him a plan, which is like, yeah. get up at this time, go whatever which makes you think it through. So for a split transition, I'd done all the work. So I got there and I knew which buses I was going to get. I knew when I was going to need to head out there. I knew when I was going to need to have like dinner before and stuff like that, which just meant it wasn't so stressful because I just looked at my phone and went, right, I've got to be there now. So I could still go and enjoy it. And I knew where I needed to be. Um, But it was logistically, it was different. And I would not choose to have a split transition again, (laughs) given the choice. (laughs) Cool. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it and uh, you enjoyed your race which is the most yes. important thing when we, we take part. So that's that's really cool. So since you've been back, happening, what you set of plans? Real heavy focus now on the fact that we're nearly at the end of the season and I'm actually quite looking forward to it. Yeah. No, that's, that's cool. Because I think you need to give yourself a break, don't you? Um, It's been, I've just been, I think I've been training like really well and really focused for a very long time and I'm not, I don't have a very long attention span. Maybe that's why sprints are good for me. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But we've got, I'm doing my first standard distance that for like four years, maybe. I don't think I've done one since I did Ironman. Um, So that should be interesting. So I'm going to the uh, Bournemouth Nat Champs in a couple of weeks time, I think. So that'll be fun. I've never done that one before. Um, 
and next weekend or this weekend coming i've got box end um which will be really good fun because i've got a pre-qualification slot for the world's next year so it will just be nice to go to box end and thank you and uh that was unexpected so it would just be nice to go to box end and have a good time and i'm probably just gonna go really really hard and see if i can hang on and then die at the end and just have a good time so um yeah it's only two races left for the end of the season and then i'm gonna go and find the nearest cocktail bar and then probably just go off grid for a week <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. great stuff well that's a really nice story um some really nice nice bits that people can pick through there and be inspired by well i you know i'm not one of those people that's like i don't think it's like a massively inspiring story it's just like you know it's normal people doing normal stuff and enjoying it and i think that's really important like that's what's important to me and that's what i want to share with everybody else but i think like... that's the inspiration <laughs> because it's got we're all normal people there's no you know yeah. we all like you said earlier we do this for fun we've yeah. just hit it we've just hit a level with with a bit of work and effort and a bit of cunning um <laughs> you know so anyone can do it if they if they choose to but it's giving people that inspiration um to to be able to do it and that's why i like doing this podcast to try and try and yeah. do that so yeah. now we'll go on to the uh, quick fire questions oh no okay <laughs> other you know there's nothing nothing uh, sinister or anything in it. <laughs> <laughs> basically um just a few questions and the first one is would you give to anybody wanting to get into triathlon or multi-sport really just just be brave just try it just like don't worry about it everyone overthinks stuff just go just go and do it just go <laughs> just do it <laughs> Good, good advice. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> short and to the point. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a quick fire question, right? So it the is short a quick advice fire is question. just go and do it. <laughs> well, the, the answers don't have to be quick fire. <laughs> <laughs> so the next one is, what's your favourite bit of kit? Um, oh, that's hard because I, um, I get very excited about any new bits of kit that I get. Uh, what's my favorite bit of kit? I'm trying to think. Oh, actually, I think my favorite bit of kit is something I got recently, which is my little balance pods for feet. Okay. And they're like little hedgehog things. And they're great because my ankles have got like old granny ankles at the moment because they're scared of any uneven tarmac now. And um, so I set them up around the kitchen. And that means I have to do stepping stones across the kitchen. It's great ah. for mobility. It's really good fun. Makes me better at running. And the dog can join in as well. So yeah, that's good. Yeah. And they it's were like five pounds. So... <laughs> Like it. Not had that one on before. <laughs> I've had some obscure ones on, like a hole punch, but never <laughs> never that one. Cool. So what resources uh, do you use to help you in your um your training or whatever, multi-sport? Um, so my coach who I've been working with for about a year now is obviously my most important resource, which is Alan at Try Training Harder. Um, they're an amazing company. They've helped me a lot. Um, training camps and stuff like that as well um obviously training peaks obviously um but yeah i don't i don't have a massive reliance on tech i think the biggest resource you can use is your brain possibly a pen and paper and somebody that you can talk to objectively i think those are the resources that you need to help you with your training i think people focus too much on like oh i need this split and i need these numbers and like no you need to go and do the work consistently and you need to enjoy it and you need to have somebody to kind of give you a good talking to when you're being a bit negative and stuff so yeah brilliant great answer love that one yeah <laughs> love it um and you just answered my other one i was going to ask you are you coached but of course you are you've just told me <laughs> so, yeah so that's, that one ticked off um short term and your long-term goals well you've pretty much told us your short term at the end of the season but if there's anything else you can add 
please do so now. <laughs> no, no, short term is just to go out and uh, see how fast and smashy I can be at box end, really. Um, yeah. Longer term goals I haven't really thought about because it's been a bit of a changeable year. So, uh, I, you know what? We'd all like to get on the podium in our GB kit, wouldn't we? I'd love to do that. Uh, I don't know how achievable that is, but I'd love to do it in the longer term. Maybe, um, don't know, maybe it'll be a different distance. Who knows? But yeah, I'd yeah. like to do that probably. Um, and then I think I'd also like to weigh in the future. Maybe when I get bored of sprint, I'll maybe go and do some extreme triathlons like Norseman or something. Cool. Cause I don't like to do just the flat stuff. And yeah, so I'd yeah. like to go and do interesting stuff. Yeah. Well, that Norseman's, um, a brute, isn't it? One yeah. Of the guys... I was just, a friend's just done it and it was kind of like, oh yeah, maybe I'll put that on the bucket list. Yeah. Well, one of the guys I had on the podcast in the early days, Jules, he's just done it um that is the friend i'm talking about is it is it really <laughs> yeah 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 so yeah yeah so i mean i was i following on instagram obviously and i was watching watching his journey and it's like mm. yeah did you get a little bit of a taste though did you go mm, i kind of want to do it you know i've not really <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've listened to um a, a few people who've done it in the past louise minchin being one of them yeah uh, a few of her podcasts and stuff, and it's it does intrigue me, but I just don't think I could stand the cold, <laughs> to be honest. That's, that's the only thing that puts me off, so maybe I'll find an extreme one to do, like in Patagonia or something, yeah. rather, than, yeah. rather than the Norseman. Yeah, somewhere warm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So so that's, that's brilliant. Thank you ever so much. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about your um, Wonder Clinic? Um, yeah so um <laughs> let, let us, well first of all because obviously you do your wonder clinic you've got your blog and you've got your podcast and yeah. also you've got your day job i don't know how you fit it all in but, <laughs> um tell us a little bit about um i don't know whichever one well not not your dentistry because that's that's your job <laughs> that's but boring. the other three how did they all come about and what yeah so in, in what order um I started a business uh, in, it was actually in aesthetics, uh, which was the, what the Wonder Clinic was originally. Um, and people were coming into me and asking a lot about lifestyle advice for like health in terms of skincare and that. And then we just got a lot of my clients were really active. A lot of them were athletes. We started talking about lifestyle stuff. They would always say exactly that. You're really busy. How are you running a business, being a dentist, being an athlete at the same time? And um the people I was working with, a lot of them just started approaching me and saying, look, I think that you can help me to achieve what I want to achieve. So a lot of it was about, it's about lifestyle and health and wellness and stuff like that. You are clearly are doing what you're doing and really enjoying it. Like teach me to do the same. Um, so people started approaching me. And then what I realized was I was starting to do more and more of that kind of one-to-one -one coaching on people's lifestyle. Um, and less and less time was then available to do the other business on a Saturday. So I sold my aesthetic clinic and now um, I work as a performance coach. So I help entrepreneurs, business people, age group athletes. I help some ex-professional athletes as well on the kind of next stage of their life. So depending on what those people are doing in, for entrepreneurs, for example, who are the main group of people that I work with, really focused individuals. But the one thing that they fall down on is they're completely focused on the business and they're not focused on how important they are and how integral they are to that. And this is about saying, you know what, if you think about what you're eating and you look after yourself and that's not difficult either. And if you learn to love movement and learn to look after your body and that's not difficult either. And you learn how to manage your time properly and set your goals properly. And, you know, all these things that are actually quite easy when you kind of unravel them, 
but people don't think about enough, like teaching people how to do that. Um, and that's what performance coaching is, uh, is for me. So it's all sorts of different people, but it's people who are really busy, really focused on what they want to achieve and they've got big dreams, but they're maybe not focusing on the right things, feeling a little bit overwhelmed, feeling stressed. And so at the Wonder Clinic, what we do is just help people to unravel that, get rid of this overwhelm and then, yeah, just enjoy it and understand that life is about enjoying the process and not about getting to a point. So it's all sorts of elements, nutrition coaching, um, like I say, life coaching, that kind of thing, all wrapped up into performance coaching for lots of different people who are all very driven. Um, And like I say, we've got quite a few athletes and stuff as well. And some ex-professional, we've got quite a lot of ex-professional rugby players who are kind of settling into life and going, I don't know how to not be a rugby player anymore. Um, So stuff like that, which is what we do now. So how did the blog come about and the podcast come about? So the blog and the podcast just came about from, okay, I've got loads of stuff I want to say, and I think people need to hear it. So people were like, you've got stuff you need to share, like put it out there. You're really good at talking. So one of the other things that I do a lot of related to my performance coaching is I do a lot of speaking. So conferences, Zoom stuff, just speaking to people. Um, And again, I got into that through my sponsor um, who wanted me to go and speak at conferences and things like that. And they were like, you're really good at this. Maybe you should do speaking on a regular. Um, So then I put the podcast out and that's me kind of talking about all the things that I coach people about, the conversations that I have with my clients and the newsletter then is just kind of round up of all the things that I do. So it just, again, it gives people a focus kind of, um, kind of direction and help in terms of, improving their performance and stuff because one of the things that I tell people is not to get distracted so I was like well I better produce a newsletter which has all the important things in it so they don't have to be distracted so when they have the window of time where they're going to check their email which I've told them to create in their diary they can actually get that email and then everything's in there so it's got the best thing out of the Instagram for the week it's got a link to the blog um which again is just all conversations I've had with clients prospective clients people that I've spoken to it's all about the conversations I've had with clients and and other people who are not clients who are asking my advice and talking to me it's just about the conversations that I'm having um where people are saying like how do I do this better like how do I get better how do I feel less overwhelmed how do I feel less stressed like how can I be a better human being how can I be happier healthier and ultimately how can I not necessarily live longer but how can I have a better quality of life as I get older. Cause I think that's what everybody wants. You don't want to live necessarily to be 200. You want to live to like 90, but feel really good at 90. And like, how do you do that? Yeah. 100%. I think that's the, that's the goal, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> long, long life sounds great, but if you haven't got the quality of life, then it's, it's useless. Exactly. And I think we can do a lot now to kind of um, make sure that we don't end up in that kind of sitting in the window, looking out on the world going by and just kind of waiting to, to fall into a grave really. So Sounds quite extreme, but I think that's what everyone wants to avoid. <laughs> so do you want to just share the links of those um, blogs and, you know, your podcast? Yeah, so the everything's the on the website. Yeah, yeah, so if you go to thewonderclinic.co.uk, um, that's got blogs, it's got a link to the podcast as well. Um, you can find the podcast on Apple and Spotify. Um, and obviously I'm on Instagram. I'm at Stevie's Wonder Clinic on there. Um, and you can sign up to the newsletter. So if you check out the links in the Instagram bio 
there's a link to the scorecard and that signs you up to the newsletter. Um, and that can also help you just get a starting point um, for anything that's not maybe going quite right. So you can get some free tips and advice on there as well. Um, and then obviously the newsletter comes out every Monday um, just with a kind of roundup of everything that I've done during the week and all the conversations that I've had. And that goes out pretty much every Monday and the podcast is out pretty much every Friday. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Well, I've just got to uh, say I've, I did that scorecard and um, yeah. What do you think? I did it all right. I did. I did okay. Yeah, I got in the eighties, so I was. I think you did very well. I looked at your results. Yeah. And I thought you did very well, and you don't need yeah. my help, so you're fine. <laughs> uh, well, I'm. I'm. You know, this. These. This podcast, Lark. It. Um. I think it makes me because I listen to a lot of uh, life style mm-hmm. uh, podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um. From yeah. From from sporting interests right the way through to health and fitness yeah. and diet and all that sort of thing. And I think over the last couple of years since I got into it, it's really, you know, because I'm not one to sit down and really read books and stuff, but yeah. listening to people talk and you just, you just go down all these different rabbit holes and yeah. find different people. And I think it, it's really, really helped me. So my lifestyle think- over the last two years has changed dramatically yeah that's the thing is there's no like the other thing is people are like oh teach me how to do that I'm like but the formula that works for me doesn't work for you what works is for me to teach you how to find out what works for yourself and that's really important and I think the more people that you speak to and the more open-minded you can be and, and at the end of the day just the more conversations you can have like I'm always learning and the moment I learn something new yeah. I share it with everybody because yeah you know and you will find what works for you it's like when we talk about the nutrition stuff you know, and we do a lot of that because people are so overwhelmed with it. And I'm like, it's not difficult, but people are afraid to make it simple. And I'm like, just go and do what works for you. And just here's some ground rules. And like, it's quite easy. And even as athletes, it's quite easy. It's not difficult. We just make yeah. it complicated. We do. Yeah, absolutely. Keep it simple. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, that's a great <laughs> place to land it. Thank you ever so much for coming on. It's been such a pleasure to have a chat um, and meet you in face to face. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me on, Richard. Well, I'd just like to say a big thank you to Stevie for coming on and making my life so much easier. And, yeah, it does make my life easier when we've got guests that come on and um, just tell a story so eloquently as, as Stevie did. So thank you once again for sparing the time, Stevie. And if you'd like to check out Stevie's podcast and her website, uh, We'll put the details in the show notes and, uh, yeah, go and give her a listen. I'm sure you'll learn lots and lots. Um, So that's about it for this episode. Thank you once again for taking the time out to listen. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. I hope Stevie's inspired you. And um, if you'd like to get in touch, you can drop us an email at agegroupmultisportpodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to come on the show, you can send us an email about that or you can DM us on all the social medias uh, which include Instagram at amp underscore 1967 and Facebook at amp GB and Twitter at age group multisport podcast Um, and you can find all the previous episodes on our website which is age group multisport podcast dot buzzsprout dot com they're all up there and we have our own YouTube channel uh, although I've been a bit lax the last few episodes, I've not got round to putting those on yet. But all the others are on there, and that is YouTube, and it's Amp GB, so you can catch all the episodes on there also. Um, 
and that's about it so thank you once again um and don't forget stay safe keep training and love the process <laughs>